Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And we're doing another of our holiday specials. And I think this was Dwayne's idea, so I'm going to let him preview it. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this movie is uh, near and dear to me, very sentimentally. Uh, it's a John Hughes movie, 1987, starring Steve Martin, John Candy, and a whole ton of cameo fun. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, and it's such a uh, holiday hit. I'd never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, I think one or more people that I've uh, spoken with have an aversion to uh, Steve Martin, uh, especially his when he's in jerk mode. In this movie, uh, you know, it's it's a, one of those. Th- it's not a Christmas movie. But this is a Thanksgiving movie, which you don't really have a lot of. And, uh, you know, Steve Martin's trying to get home from New York to Chicago with, uh, and he crosses the path of one John Candy and hilarity, meanness, and all sorts of misadventure (laughs) ensue. All right, well, we will get back to planes, trains, and automobiles after we keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right, Sammy, you've been quiet again. You're first out of the gate. All right, so I guess I'm leading off with keeping it 100 this week. Um, You know, one of the most enduring qualities for me, um, for anything, is that ability to stick with whatever you're doing, right? I like that idea when you're in the face of adversity. You know, that can be people characters, even movies. And after five years, I finally got to see The New Mutants. Was it a perfect superhero movie? No. But it has enough of those characters that I really grew up loving. Um, It was a very different take, a different circumstance. But just to see Ileana with the soul sword and Rain go into wolf form was great. Um, I will warn you ahead of time, Charlie Heaton's Kentucky accent as Sam Guthrie is not great, but it doesn't overshadow the movie. Um, The sad part, I guess it is, it does show what direction Fox could have went in if it had kept the franchise. But uh, I guess this is a whole new ballgame now, so we'll have to see what Disney does. But um, with all the good, all the bad, whatever you've heard of this movie, I think it's worth a watch. And that's why the New Mutants is my keeping it 100 for this week. I thought you were going to break into the facts of life for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was on a roll, wasn't he? <laughs> I heard the good, the bad. I'm like, oh, it's a good well, facts it, it would fit with this age group, you know. <laughs> yeah. In the time frame. I mean, every, the original time frame. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard things about Charlie Heaton's accent though. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It really is. So. <laughs> Probably why it wasn't in any of the trailers. <laughs> well, at least you had the uh, the drugs down for the uh, the Kentucky situation. <laughs> uh, hey, sorry, that's, sorry, that's just around here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm up next before we go too far off the rails. Um, so uh, let me start my timer. And I'm going to be recommending a book called Devolution. Um, it's by Max Brooks. And a few years back, he wrote World War Z, um, which I, I never watched the movie because it departed so far from the book that I was just mad, not interested. But the, I loved the book. And so he's been years now since that came out. And finally, he released a second novel called uh, Devolution. And the subtitle got me. Um, I wasn't sure about it. Um, but it's an account of the Sasquatch uh, massacre. <laughs> so the, the, set, the setup is um, it, there's this uh, green sort of, uh, you know, techie, you know, super woke social justice group that's made this like crazy high tech small community near Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier, you know, erupts. There's, you know, lava flows like cut them off from society. It also pushes the Sasquatch tribes out of their natural habitat, and they have to flee the mountain, and they run across um, these, you know, this, this small community who are not prepared for wilderness life, who are not prepared to defend themselves. Um, and it's, it's actually amazing. It's really good. 
It's, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's actually really good, and it's actually got some really powerful emotional moments. And so, uh, Max Brooks's Devolution is my mm. keeping it 100. Mm. Cool. Devolution. Uh, that's I like it when they whip it. <laughs> <laughs> well, B- Bigfoot did some whip it. Uh, well, now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Max Brooks is great. He always has a great take on things. Uh, so I'm gonna have to check that one out. That's that's really interesting. Devolution. Okay, that's going it on my short. list. Yeah, <clears throat> it's not. A, it's, not it's, it's shorter than World War Z. It's a, it's a and it's a fast read. Yeah, I was gonna say World War Z wasn't a huge a huge book, but uh, I'm up next on the Keeping It 100s and go. Well, there's been a few announcements this week. You know, since we're not going to be doing a news episode, we got the announcement that Robert England is going to be in Stranger Things season four. Getting the announcements that Wonder Woman 1984 is going to streaming same day hits theaters. We also got the announcement of a new Netflix series. We can be heroes. This is the sequelish to my keeping it 100. Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> you have Taylor Lautner, George Lopez, crazy 3D animation that on my really old plasma HD-ish TV don't quite work. But <laughs> it, it was a ton of fun. We watched it with the kids a few times, and you know it's it's not a great movie, but it's just a ton of fun if you just buy into it and you know your dreams make your reality you know, live your dreams that's all i'm saying shark boy and lava girl have fun with it <laughs> now taylor Lautner's not returning for we can be heroes though so. no have you looked at the cast list on that i haven't looked at the cast list i just saw oh, that well, a now, quick little teaser now, lava so. girl Lava Girl, the actress who portrayed Lava Girl, is returning. Yes, she is. Taylor Lautner, for some reason, is not. But we do have, hopefully he'll be recovered enough from his injury uh, from carrying the Star Wars universe on his back, Pedro Pascal. It's true. As Shark Boy. Yep. And he does have a, a helmet that covers his face in this one also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just got the chin going on there. What's Taylor Lautner busy doing that he couldn't do this? <laughs> well, I, I did some IMDb digging while we were watching uh, that, and uh, apparently he hasn't had a role uh, since 2016. He could have been Shark Boy again. Uh, all right, guys. You want to give us some thoughts and grades? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully that's not a uh, hint for the direction this podcast is going to go. Oh, Sammy. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody gave it to me, okay? I'm just going to start Jamie. Jamie, here's... I I wish we had a video podcast just for this. (laughs) This is going to be my new thing. I'm just going to start pulling random (laughs) movies and seeing if Sam can pull them off the shelf. (laughs) (laughs) No matter how obscure a reference we make... Sammy yeah. leans out of the screen and leans back with the DVD case. <laughs> if it's a superhero, I've probably bought it or have some form of it. <laughs> we either need to start a new show or have a segment of the show. What's on Sam's shelf? <laughs> uh, maybe we should get a bonus if we can stump Sammy. We can find something he doesn't have. Uh, anyway, okay. I'm first, first on the uh, grades and... Uh, I had never seen this movie before, and I'm one of those people that has a Steve Martin allergy. Um, that'll come up again later in the podcast. Um, but I'm also not a big John Candy fan. Uh, it's not my, my, not my brand of humor. Um, I'm younger than you guys, too. Remember that. Um, but I think that factors in. A lot of the 80s stuff just slides by me. Um, but, and I, I was, like, nervous about it. I think it's part of the reason I'd never seen this movie before. It's like, these are not my favorite, like, funny people. Um, I can take John Candy a lot more than Steve Martin usually, though. <laughs> that helps you know, Dwayne's face heal over there from the pain I caused him. Um, but I, I found myself really enjoying this movie. Um, we, got, we got the best version of Steve Martin. Um, he's not being the jerk, and he doesn't have a banjo. So, <laughs> so <talk. laughs> I guess Steve Martin living his best life. <laughs> um, and, and it was just, it was kind of like, 
I think the 90s version of this for me was Dutch. Um, one of those terrible road trip, you know, horrific things happening to people type movies. And I, I got kind of that kind of Dutch vibe, which I, obviously Dutch was made later, so it's probably a ripoff of this movie. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed some of the emotional stuff. I enjoyed uh, most of the humor. Um, I, I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed this movie. I'm going to go A-. minus. Cool. All righty, all right. Well, <clears throat> I'm really uh, surprised at that great uh, considering Steve Martin allergy. But yeah, <laughs> this is a movie with a lot of heart, um, and it's it, it takes that journey. You know, you, you you have these polar opposite characters. One of them is trying desperately; the other one is just kind of casting about the country, doing his own thing. And they cross paths, and you know, they just don't mesh from the minute that the cab is stolen on through. But, you know, got a couple really hard punches, especially toward the, especially toward the end there uh, as it wraps up. Really uh, brings out kind of that John Hughes heart, you know, that you get in stuff like Home Alone and some of the more Philly stuff in the vacation movies. And even, you know, with The Breakfast Club and 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, you know, you get these life lessons at the end. You can't judge a book by its cover. You don't know what people are dealing with. Um, it's not a perfect movie. There's, there's, you know, it's, it kind of falls into that sketchy situation that, I, that I'm not a huge fan of. But now these sketches are hilarious. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, I, I'm going B plus. I'm, I'm going a little bit lower than Jamie, but I'm, I'm on B plus. Uh, this movie is one that I, that I treasure. It's been on my shelf for years. Okay, nice. You know, I, I think for me, when it comes to this movie, you know, we, we've kind of mentioned a name, John Hughes, right? This guy alone is synonymous with an era. I mean, just look at everything that Hughes brought to us in the 80s. You know, Dwayne mentioned a lot of those. Breakfast Club, Home Alone, Wrote Mr. Mom, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, John Hughes was the man. And I think that Hughes brings this magical movie mojo that is a combination of humor and heart. And I think Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is no exception to that. Um, I don't revisit this movie very often. I don't. But every time I do watch it, I enjoy it. It's it's kind of offbeat when you think about it. You know, Jamie talked about this is the best version of Steve Martin. You know, when I think of Steve Martin, I think of like SNL Steve Martin, King Tut, you know, which is over the top. And Jamie just got a <laughs> shiver. Um, you know, if you think about it, John Candy was was just coming off of a role as Mog, half man, half dog, his own best friend in uh, uh, Spaceballs. So this is a much more subtle character, or it could have been right after. I may have my, my time off. Okay. But no matter what, it's much a much more subtle character in this movie. Um, so you've got both of these people that can play really over the top, play much more subtle and heartfelt. And I think that comes across in the movie. Uh, so I'm going to go with an A for my grade. I'm going to go to the, the high grade this time. I think I think that I may have given it the surprise bump. I'd never seen it before, and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the movie. Right. And how good it was. Yeah. All righty, guys. Well, I think it's time to head to the airport as we get to the plane with our fans. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like one coming overhead right now. <laughs> Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel, three brothers who like each other but love comics. Alrighty. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm leading off with the uh, fan section here, and uh, there's just a ton of, of great little you know, minuets in this movie, a ton of just little bits and pieces. Now, one of the things that stood out to me was the John Hughes cameos. 
you have Ben Stein, you know, Michael McKean, Kevin Bacon, and my personal favorite, Eddie McClurg. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the cameos, uh, you know, just all of the familiar faces. I mean, even the guys who aren't really in a lot of stuff super popularly, you know, just faces that you see. And it just brings you home and, you know, you're home in his movies. You know, that's 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 going to be my thing. It's just 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 that simple. You know, there's just so much good. Most of mine are going to be my words. But but yeah, that's that's where I'm going to. It's the cameos. Cool. And, and, you know, and I think that that is something that comes across, you know, and, and I think we talked about in the in the pre-show part, you know, a lot of these are, are kind of John Hughes faithfuls, right? People who tend mm-hmm. to show up as as the, those character parts in John Hughes movies. So, um, you know, some of those will come back up, I think. Um, so for me, I think my biggest fan is, you know, I love the fact that. Steve Martin's Neil Page actually has a character arc. You know, there is growth of character from beginning to end. And a lot of times in an 80s comedy, that's not exactly something that occurs. Okay. Um, That may be, like I said, a little bit of that John Hughes magic sprinkled in. Um, You know, when, when you think about it, once again, I always talk about Steve Martin, that wild and crazy guy. Right. And, and, and he comes into this, you know, as a bit of a heel, um, in, in some ways, but there's definitely that, that growth, you know, he's hyper-focused on work. He's hyper-focused on family. He's in his own little bubble, uh, even at the beginning when he's getting mad because his boss is staring at the, the layouts over and over and over. Um, but through this, this chain of events, these interactions with Dale, we actually see growth of that character. So, you know, even though it's a comedy, I do think it's got a strong plot. It's got a good direction. And that little bit of morality plays build in here, too. So I think all those make a really good uh, story in terms of the movie. All right. Um, mine's not as good. Um, <laughs> not as, I, I, I didn't think it through as well as you guys did. Um, mine is just the comedic chemistry between uh, Candy and Martin. Um, oh, yeah. I would not have, I didn't expect that. Um, I, I would have thought that their <laughs> comedic styles wouldn't have meshed as well as they did here, but they were so good together. Um, and, and I mean, Steve Martin was playing, like, the reserved version of himself, and John Candy was playing, like, the most, like, um, likable, um, lovable, um, sympathetic version of himself. And it just fit together perfectly, and their timing was just so good together. Um, and my backup fan was the fact that they were willing to cut this down. Um, John Hughes' original cut was, like, three hours and 45 minutes long. Wow. And they trimmed it down to, like, 89 minutes. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> so that, that's my backup fan we, we, got, we got the abridged version and I'm grateful but, uh, but, but John Candy and Steve Martin were just so good together and I, I just I mean it knocked my socks off so that, that's my fan awesome well and it does play to their strengths oh yeah it does definitely play to their strengths but you can be glad Marvel didn't make it or we would have got the three hour cut <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Sam, I apologize for stepping on you there, but yeah, it really does play to their strengths. Their uh, their chemistry was so perfect. You know, couldn't, couldn't have been any better. I think I like them better than I like them separately. <laughs> yeah, better together. It's like they bring, they bring up the base of each other. I think that's the petition we need to start. We we, we want the full Hughes cut of uh, <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles. So. <laughs> Well, apparently there were several different cuts and there was lots of negotiating that went on with the studio. I think there's a, there's a three hour, 45 minute version, a two hour version, and then like different versions of the 80, 89 minute, 90 minute cut. Oh, wow. So really there could potentially be a part two out there. <laughs> we got less than half the movie. I mean, you, you notice there was that one scene where John Candy randomly had a black eye. Yeah. There was like a whole big gigantic scene that cut. It was like a 15 minute scene with Michael McKeegan that got cut out. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Cool. cool, cool. Well, guys, we've uh, been to the airport for the planes. Let's go to the train station. Check out our pans. 
All right. So I guess I'm leading off with pans this time. Um, and it kind of almost goes back to something that Dwayne had talked about in his opening thoughts. You know, it, like many comedies, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is this seemingly unending series of catastrophic events. Um, it's like your worst day dialed up to 15. Right. And that's kind of the feel you get from this. And I think in any type of movie, you know, despite that, like I said, I gave this an A. I really like the movie. I think there has to be some suspension of disbelief when you're watching this type of series of events. Um, I don't think it detracts from the message, but I do sometimes sit and go, Mercy, what's going to happen now? Or, you know, what could happen next? Oh my gosh. You know, and, and I think that that can get a little drawn out sometimes in a movie like this, where it's that, like I said, unceasing series of, of awful events. And there was a whole book series, right, Jamie? But, uh, you know, this series of unfortunate events, and <laughs> please don't sue me, uh, but that kind of thing, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to make a joke that you stole it. Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my, you picked up on my facts of life. <laughs> my pain is going to be very unpopular, probably, with Dwayne and many of our listeners. I found the car rental F-bomb explosion to be jarring. Um, I know it's famous and apparently beloved for people who are fans of this movie, but it really feels like it's, like, it's really, I found it very, to be very jarring and distracting. Like, it felt like it was a scene from a completely different movie, maybe the, from the other two hours that were cut, more, more like that scene. But it, it, felt, it didn't feel like it jived with the rest of the movie. Um, and so like, it just stuck out like a sore thumb. I'm like, what are we doing here? This is not the, exactly the same character Steve Martin's been playing for the rest of the movie. Um, so, it, I mean, sure, it was funny, but like, like it, just, it just felt weird. And like, like we took this like small little escapade into like a different like part of the multiverse then we came back after she was done uh, dropping her f-bomb on him and then we uh, never going to resume <laughs> the regular movie you know it just it just i found it very distracting how different that that one scene was from the rest mm -hmm. of steve martin's character especially but it's also just the flow of the whole movie so that, that's my opinion i know it's probably everybody's like most fondly remembered scene but I didn't, it bothered me <laughs> yeah you're not you're not necessarily wrong um he does have a very different tone and that's you understand he'd been you know walking however many miles back to the <laughs> back to the rental place but i think the i think the thing that works for me with that scene uh, is just the juxtaposition of her little bubbly sweet you know <laughs> Andy McClurg, yes. and and he just rips into her and then she's like well now you're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's wonderful. She's wonderful. Um, well, Jamie, you would like that scene probably more on the TV edit. Then. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna have to catch it on TBS. It's not as jarring, and it's on right now. But you're a cord cutter, so. But <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not funny. I just it right. just it felt like a completely like different movie for like you know three minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I guess that's my pen too. And I know I talked about it, you know, with the different segments, like it's each, like it's a bunch of little sketches put together. It's a lot like, a, you know, the, the, the vacation movies and, and this kind of style that was happening then. But, you know, I, I wasn't aware of the three hour cut, but I could see how the different parts of this movie played differently. So the flow is is kind of jarring at times, you know. It, it, it just kind of pulls you in and out, and because you'll have Steve Martin being really, really mean and snarky and 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 nasty, and then you'll just have him also just kind of being a jerk, it, you know, in similar situations, uh, you know, kind of kind of almost like he was playing two or three different type of characters that they wove throughout. Uh, but that's you know, it's not a big pan, but that's that that's going to be mine. That's yeah, the, the the character arc is a little inconsistent. I feel like he like there's growth and then takes steps back a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he goes forward and backward, forward and backward. Yeah, yeah, you see that a lot. You see that a lot. And in a ninety minute movie, that's a, that's a pretty fast uh, switching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Right, you want to give well, us some awards, well, guys? Well, talking about pretty fast, uh, you know, they don't get anywhere fast at all. Uh, but now we are to our automotive section, so let's give out some automotive awards. Yeah. Okay, guys. Jamie, you're leading off on best performance. I think the later we record, the clumsier the segues get. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we've all bungled them. <laughs> Just a little. Uh, okay, so best performance. Um, I, can I can I give two? Um, so sure. Owen, the the guy who came in the truck to pick them up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't in the script. He was supposed to be a country guy picking these guys up. He did all of that. Was Dylan Baker just doing that? Like, it wasn't in the script. He wasn't told to do that by John Hughes. He just created that character from whole cloth, like on set. And so, <laughs> She's skinny but strong. <laughs> Hold on, we've got a best quote section. Don't ruin it. <laughs> But I was just when I, I was flipping through the trivia section on I mean, I was like he can't all that was him it was his very first like acting role and that was he came up with that on the spot I was it was kind of, I was kind of impressed um, I'm gonna go with Steve Martin for best performance though um, I was really surprised at how good he was in this and like how um, despite it being an 80s movie with John Candy in it it was there was subtle there was subtlety to his performance and I, I was actually just full on impressed uh, with Steve Martin's performance in this movie. So. Yeah. Well, you are exactly right. I'm going perfectly along with you, Jamie. Uh, Steve Martin's Neil Page. In the portrayal, you know, he he's this high-performing executive, apparently in an advertising firm or something. He's coming back from New York. You know, you see the competitiveness. You see the drive, uh, even as he's racing Kevin Bacon for the cab. <laughs> You see his, you know, short, just, just, you know, forget it. I'll leave my gloves. You know, I'll get this cab. I'll get to the airport. I'll get home. I'll not talk to anybody. Not fool with anybody. And, you know, comes across, you know, John Candy. But he does have a lot of growth. He does have an arc. You see him open his mind to different types of people that he was completely close to at the beginning. Cool. Well, I guess we're three for three, gentlemen. Uh, I went Steve Martin also for best performance. Um, and I think a lot of this is, you know, like I said, before to me, Steve Martin was that over-the-top guy, right? That over-the-top comedian. And this really showed me that he had some depth. Um, and to me, this carried across into movies like Parenthood and Father of the Bride, where he could be funny, but also endearing. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, Steve Martin is Neil Page for me also. Yep, definitely. Um, well, in a movie that's very sketchy, I'm uh, up next with Best Scene. So, <clears throat> there's a lot, a lot to choose from. From all of the hilarity... They're in the hotels, they're in the cars, they're in the bus, they're on the plane. There's great stuff throughout. But my favorite scene in this whole movie is nearing the end. They've been in the car that's been on fire. They go into the hotel. Well, you know, if you're, if you're pissed at me, we can get separate rooms. He says, no, they'll get your own room. And he's trying to, you know, use the cars to burn up. He's trying to, you know, <laughs> count. He says, so he tells the guy, he says, yeah, I got, you know, $17 and an ice watch. You know, gets him his room. So he's in the room settling in. John Candy's outside freezing to death. And then he, and then this is, this is where my favorite scene picks up. He has the, the change of heart. Neil Page has the change of heart. He invites John Candy in. They actually, through all of the adversity they've been through, they begin to show their friendship. 
they begin to bond over the little air, airline bottles of alcohol. And, uh, you know, that just their, their conversation, the banter, the heart that they, they actually make it. And they actually make it okay. That's, that's, I, I love that scene. I like it. You know, I think for my best scene, I kind of did similar to you guys in the past. You know how in A Quiet Place, you said the whole last third of the movie. (laughs) In Captain America Winter Soldier, it was, you know, from the fact they started the car, you know, too. So for me, it's the entire series of events that leads up to the LeBaron catching on fire. From the moment (laughs) Gail gets his sleeves caught, they go up the wrong way with 18 wheelers. That you know they, they they screech and they do all those types of things, and then the car catches on fire. And what's so great about it is they're just numb at that point. <laughs> they're just numb. They're just staring like, sure, why not? <laughs> and I'm sure we've all had those moments where it feels like everything is going wrong and that one big thing happens and you're just like, okay. (laughs) And I love that whole exchange there. (laughs) That was a good one. And uh, I mentioned Dutch earlier. There's like a Dutch scene that's similar to that where like a, they hit a deer and put it in the backseat and it wakes up and destroys the car. As as I was watching the little bear and bird, I thought of the scene in Dutch where like, yeah. Uh, my my best scene um, was one of the more heartwarming ones. Um, it's when it's it's when Steve Martin is on the uh, the train and it, it puts it all together that John Candy's wife um, has passed away and that he's alone and he's lonely and he and it is all those little scenes flashback all the little lines um, get all put together in his head and he rush and he rushes back to John Candy and it's that it's the it's the, it's the realization but also that scene where he goes back and talks to him. In the in the train station, and I, I, that that scene for me, I'm like, you know, this is a pretty ridiculous movie, but that's you got me there. It didn't it didn't get full on, you know, dusty in the room, but you know, I ma- it made made me feel things. So, yeah, yeah, and that's a good one. And you know, that those are one of those character moments I think that builds this movie mm-hmm. and does endear this movie. You know, despite you know how people may feel about Steve Martin or John Candy or some people actually don't like John Hughes that I've talked to, which is funny, what? but, uh, but it's just, <laughs> you can't be friends with him anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just one of those things, you know? And, and like I said, it's a good character moment, I think. And it probably is the most John Hughes scene in the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I've got another honorable mention. The, uh, the classic eighties freeze frame to end the movie. <laughs> it's just, there's nothing more eighties in this movie. It's either John Candy's mustache or the froze the freeze frame at the end. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Oh, he's like a breakfast club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, well, our next award um is uh, I'm I'm guessing at least one or two of us did the uh, the Oscar divide and conquer rules. Uh is a best character. Uh Sammy, who's your best character? All right. Well, I gave Steve Martin's Neil Page best performance. So I've got to give Del Griffiths my best character. Um, You know, my heart just goes out to the guy. You know, like I said, it's a subdued role for for John Candy. But Dale is just this big-hearted guy. He's just lonely. But there's a street smartness to him that I love. You know, I love the fact there's some street smarts to him um, that you don't really see that sometimes in Candy's roles. He's usually, like I said, once like Steve Martin, over the top. So, you know, Dale Griffiths is just he's this good guy. He's just a bit overzealous. But he is, like I said, he's just so kind and has this big heart and he's likable. Um, and I can't say that for all of Candy's performances over his career as a likable character. But uh, Dale Griffiths is a likable character. I, I'm going to agree. I did the same thing. I did the, <laughs> the, the, the same me divide and conquer. Um, John Candy's one of those guys who's just, 
and maybe like a little too much most of the time for me. Um, it's never like anything like really like that I that I hated the way like a lot of Steve Martin stuff. I just like oh, you don't want no part of that. Um, John Candy was just like you know you, you dial it back a notch or three. I mean, just relax. It's okay, guy. Um, but I really enjoyed him in this movie. Um, and he has those vulnerable moments. And it's also like the most like um, likable that John Candy ever was in a movie for me. But like I said, I'm a little younger than you guys. And I, there may be John Candy stuff I just missed. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked his character in this movie. <clears throat> well, I think it's very fitting. And we've all done it this way. But you know, the best performance was Steve Martin, so you have that arc. But the best character was, you know, John Candy's Del Griffith. And he really does have a lot of the character in the movie. He does have, um, you know, like Jamie said, the street smarts. He has the, you know, he's got something for everybody. You know, it's like in each town he's at, he's he's kind of whatever it needs to be. And we'll see that uh, coming up in, uh, in Best Quote for me here in a moment. But... Yeah, he just was this big teddy bear of a goofball trying to make a friend. And, you know, not quite getting it. But, yeah, John Candy. Uh, and the was, best was, salesman ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> coming up to that. Okay. So, Jamie, go ahead with best quote. Okay, I'm going back to Dylan Baker. <laughs> Sammy almost ruined it. I'm, I'm going to give you Sorry. the whole line. Sorry. So he's trying. He's trying. He tells his wife to get her lazy behind out of the, out of the truck and put their uh, Dale's big trunk in the back. And so Neil's like, "No, no, no, we got it." And Dale says, "It's very heavy." And I love Owen's comeback. <laughs> she don't mind. She's short and skinny, but she's strong. Her first baby come out sideways. She didn't scream or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment I laughed the hardest in the whole movie. <laughs> Came yeah. out sideways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that quote was insane. That quote was insane. That scene was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that scene was good. But uh, well, I'm going to go with uh, Dale selling earrings. <clears throat> quote, unquote, earrings at the, at the train station. And, you know, he's he's got a line for everybody. And my favorite one, I'll, I'll use it from time to time. I'll pull it out, you know. Well, this is real Czechoslovakian ivory. <laughs> <laughs> but but John Kenny had so many great one-liners through here. I just, I, but that whole little section there, the whole scene where he's selling earrings, you know, and, and he's got the three young girls lined up. He's like, oh, you can pass at least for 18 or 19. They just toss out their money, you know. <laughs> You know, had yeah, it was just like you had a glimpse of him wearing them as earrings. Yeah, oh my gosh. And if you look every once in a while during those scenes, there'll be somebody in the background that has and those have, on. Yeah. They'll have those on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every now and again in the background, like you said, you'll see it if you watch yep. it close enough. Yep. I didn't notice that. So, so yeah, I did. Yeah, you will see it in the background. Uh, Czechoslovakian ivory. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so, you know, I think I've got to to agree with Dwayne that, you know, John Candy's Dale Griffiths has so many good lines that that he just comes out with. You know, a lot of Steve Martin's lines that are funny can sometimes be also a little rude and crude, you know, that, but you can still get a chuckle, but, uh, Dale Griffiths just has this way of, of delivering. And, and like I alluded to the idea of street smartness in the character. And I loved when he looks at, he's talking to, to Neil page and Dale goes, by the time the airline cancels this flight, which they will sooner or later, you'll have more of a chance finding a three legged ballerina than you will a hotel room. <laughs> It was a good one. It is just that combination of street smartness. Listen, I took care of that when we first landed. I went in and took care of the hotel rooms, you know, kind of thing with just these little quirky twists of, of, of words. and just think they're so funny. So. I love that he didn't just have a line for every place. He had, he had a guy or a yeah. friend or somebody yeah. everywhere. 
everywhere uh, he had yeah everywhere he had a connection. Well, six bucks from my right nut says I've got the best horrific <laughs> incident. <laughs> Why does it have any extra then, fingers? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the our episode specific awards, you know, in, in a movie where, you know, stuff goes south so much with uh, them trying to get home, the most horrific incident. Uh, I'm going to take one from Sammy earlier the car crash. Just the whole little scene from they they got the car, they're dozing off, tosses the cigarette, goes in between this tractor trailer, spins around, goes, he bursts into flames, and yet just like he's like, "Yep, it is what it is," you know. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, and they're and they're seeing in between, uh, you know, when they're going in between the trucks and the the fire and the lights and stuff, and they look over at each other and they, what is it? John Candy's the devil. At one point, <laughs> yeah, I mean that was just that was fun. That was fun. That's that's one of the ones that stick with me a lot. Is is mm-hmm. that car crash? Um, mine. It was that when I had a backup though. Um, it's the scene where they wake up together. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, why did you kiss my ear? Neil, why are you holding my hand? Bill, where's your other hand between two pillows? <laughs> Those aren't pillows. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, the special edition DVD of this was named Those Aren't Pillows. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then after that, though, with their seven, did, you, did you catch our Bears game? Yeah, that's what we're doing. Bears looking real strong this year, yep. Right on the way. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was doing a little bit of a surfing uh, uh, for some of these awards online, just googling some random things. And one of the sites I went to, it said, you know, was talking about that hotel room scene. It said when two straight men are in the same hotel room, and their personalities are polar opposite. You know, <laughs> that's hard to you know, in some ways, you know, kind of connecting to an, another movie, isn't there kind of a connection with Tommy Boy and the way that that Neil and, and Dale are with the way that mm-hmm. that uh, David Spader and, and Farley. yeah and oh, Farley are? You're right. And the the deer scene I'm remembering is from Tommy Boy, not Dutch. Dutch's oh, okay. car gets destroyed in a different a different way. Oh, yeah, because in Tommy Boys, you killed Bambi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, this movie's inspired a lot of car destruction, apparently. Something to that effect, right? Um, all right, so best horrific incident. You know, I alluded to it. Dwayne had already mentioned it. Um, it's just that culmination. I love the fact that after, you know, right in the middle of all this, right before the the, the car catches on fire, when they're, they're they've stepped out of the car and John Candy's like, it's not that bad. I've seen worse. <laughs> we can buff some of that out. <laughs> I love the buff it out line. <laughs> and I'm just looking, going, I have a heart attack if there's a scratch <laughs> on my car anymore. But that that would definitely got to me. And then as it leads into the car on fire and then the, the wallet being in the car and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, but the direction that movie was going, well, that when he put his wallet in the glove box, I'm like, well, he's never seen that again. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how it was going to go wrong, but I knew he wasn't going to go wrong. My question is, so you're going to sleep in the car, but so you take out your wallet and put it in the glove compartment? I mean, you just... Yeah, it's just one of those things I was like, hmm, interesting. It's two weird cats. They do, I mean, decisions were made. I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there was a reason in the uh, three-hour cut. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, Sammy, you're up with the best tirade. All right. So Jamie talked about this scene just a little bit earlier, right? And... The car rental tirade is probably the most famous in this movie. 
Now, I'm going to admit, I watched the television edit. <laughs> if you watch, the AMC app has this movie on it, but it's the television edit. And um, it, it's, it's actually a, a, a funny scene without all the additional expletives. Um, and it's not just... It's not just Steve Martin. It's Edie McClurg that makes this this scene sing, man. Just the way she's looking at him. And he's just losing it. And then she just goes, well, I guess you're screwed. You know? <laughs> or at least on the TV edit version. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, all that, that pretext coming up to it with him stomping across and coming in and his his little shoes that have the weaving and you know all that kind of stuff are all tattered and then he loses it so yep <laughs> my my best tirade is just before it's the tirade before that tirade it's when he it's when the bus drops him off he finds that his car is missing from the lot and he just loses it in pure physical uh just frustration and anger <laughs> just he just loses his mind in impotent rage he's got that whole tight body we've all been there right? at least once in your life you've had mm-hmm. that moment of just full impotent rage you you can't get words out you're just flailing around with your body uh every every muscle tense and i was like yep i i, I know that feeling i've been there <laughs> and it was it was it was funny steve martin i liked it <clears throat> Yeah. Well, Sammy stole mine. <laughs> <laughs> Sam stole mine. But, you know, there, there's one I would like to bring uh, light to since uh, since Sam grabbed mine out from under me there. <clears throat> but uh, when uh, Neil is going off on John Candy and telling him what a horrible human being he is and how his stories make no sense, how he should at least have a point if he's going to go on for it like that, how he's brought him nothing but misery and how now he can face any trial in the world because he's listened to a Dale Griffith story. I've spent time with Dale Griffith. That's just so mean, so cruel. And, and, you know, sometimes, like you said, when you get to that point, you have these mental breaks you have these emotional breaks and you're just like, oh, I've lost it. You know, and you see him kind of later, you know, thinking back to all the situations. But yeah, that, that one was, was pretty intense. That mm-hmm. one was pretty intense. Well, you know, we've, we've been on quite a journey with our planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, a guy that we know from The Matrix does not need a plane or a train or automobile to go around because he just flies. He just supermans everywhere he goes, <laughs> uh, like Link says. Uh, or Keanu Reeves. So in all of the misadventures in this movie, Jamie, where does Keanu land? Uh, this is literally the easiest Keanu connection I've ever done. <laughs> maybe maybe I've got a Keanu bump on the grade two. <laughs> 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 all right, here we go. There are comedians who go on to have interesting acting careers. Uh, Robin Williams goes from Mork and Mindy to Good Morning Vietnam, and suddenly we realize he's an amazing dramatic actor. Jim Carrey goes from Captain Rubberface to The Truman Show, and we realize that the dude has actual acting chops. Um, there's a funny man in this movie that, for me, went in a slightly different direction. Uh, Steve Martin is a man who's full-on comedy I don't enjoy. Uh, I don't like the stand-up, not the banjo stuff, not King Tut, not even when he's a wild and crazy guy. But watching this movie, I realized there is a role I like him in when he's the straight man. Uh, he's the straight man in this movie most of the time. Um, it's great. Um, I like when he's the straight man in Cheaper by the Dozen, Father of the Bride. Um, and Cheaper by the Dozen, by the way, underrated movie. Uh, Steve Martin was also the straight man in Parenthood with a very young Keanu Reeves. A very, very, very young Keanu Reeves. He was at least five years younger than he is now. Yes. So, so Steve Martin is this week's Keanu Connection. <gasps> okay, you broke me. <laughs> That's great. 
that's uh, that's a movie that's that's fallen off of my radar as Parenthood. I need to revisit that one. I haven't checked that one out in a while. Even by the dozen, though, that's a, a little movie that's been forgotten. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> yeah, it was a really good flick. Yeah, I remember. I remember it being good. Well, you know, speaking of stuff we need to check out, we need to check out a movie for next week, guys. Uh-oh. And since next week was originally a news episode and there is no news, <laughs> um, I think we're going to pull out our famous roll, the die. So, we, Sam, do you have our 20-sided die prepared? Come on. I I'll have seven. the D20 going. I'm ready right. to roll, gentlemen. I have the... Baby needs to not save him. Let's get it. <laughs> so, All right. ready, sir. All right, gentlemen. Here we go. Nineteen. Okay. Nineteen. Okay, nineteen was taken with the Iron Giant. So, do we want to go up or down, guys? I've got a twenty, and I've got an eighteen. Let's re-roll. Okay. Eleven. Oh, no. Lady Hawk. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're staying in the Hulk. 80s. <clears throat> okay. I, I have very vague, fuzzy memories of liking this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, this is uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Matthew Broderick, if I'm not mistaken. And Rutger Hauer. Oh, Rutger Hauer, yes. Yeah. Mr. Roy Batty himself. Okay, let's see if we can find where Lady Hawk is streaming. I'm betting not. <laughs> <laughs> where can I watch Lady Hawk? Maybe we shouldn't have re-rolled. Looks <laughs> <laughs> like it may be on Voodoo. Let's see if you got a buy. You can rent it on Amazon. Oh, then it's going to be a rental on Voodoo 2. Okay, hold on, hold on, though. Does it have an HD version? <laughs> Let me go back and check real quick. I'd flipped. That's another one of those movies that doesn't need an HD version. No, we only have a, have a standard definition version, sir. All right, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, have it directed by Richard Donner. I'd forgotten about that. Oh, I'd forgotten that, too. Yep. Hmm. All right, so I guess we have our movie, gentlemen. There are wor- there are worse fantasy movies on that list. This is true. <laughs> so, all righty, guys. Well, as we uh, prepare to watch Lady Hawk for our next episode, Jamie, what are we going to do? We're going to watch Ferris Bueller get medieval as we keep it nerdy. <laughs>